Good morning. God promised Abraham a son, a lineage through which he would bless all nations. But the son was slow in coming. So Sarah takes matters into her own hand and offers Hagar to Abraham. And she does become pregnant. And at that point, the relationship between Sarah and Hagar changes. And the text says that, that Sarah begins to afflict Hagar. So Hagar flees. And as Lisa read, an angel meets Hagar near a spring, a source of water, and says, where are you going? Hagar says, I'm fleeing my mistress, Sarah. The angel says, you go back to Sarah and you will have a son and the son will be a prince and the son you will name him Ishmael because God has heard your affliction. Hagar's response is, is, is quite surprising. She actually names God. She gives God a name. You are the God who sees me. Notice the angel said God heard your affliction. Hagar turns it into the God who sees me. So Hagar returns to Sarah. And and if we look at the text, some versions will say that the angel told her to go back to Sarah and submit to her authority. That's a little bit sanitized. The text really says go back and it uses the same term affliction. Go back and in essence continue to be afflicted, afflicted by Sarah's hand. God gives her this news but puts her right back in the same spot. But what has changed? She now has hope and comfort. I think she was afraid of her son and God has said, no, your son is going to be fine. Ishmael will be fine. So Hagar is able to go back into that situation and continue her life. The irony of the story, right? We see the irony. That that Sarah, the mother of all of Israel, afflicts her Egyptian handmaid named Hagar, which can have a connotation of being a stranger. That Hagar flees and God says, I have seen your affliction. What happens hundreds of years later? The Egyptians afflict the Israelites, strangers in the land. And God says what to Moses? I have seen their affliction. And we know the story of God redeeming Israel. Let's move forward in time. We move to John chapter 4 where Jesus is, is journeying through Samaria. He stops at a well. A woman comes up. He asks for a drink. She's surprised. Jews don't have dealings with Samaritans. They're not going to use a vessel that a Samaritan has used because of the prejudice. 
conversation ensues. Jesus says, go call your husband. She goes, I don't have one. He goes, that's right. You've had four, five husbands and the guy you're living with now, he is not your husband. We like the finger pointing, don't we? So she goes to town, I perceive you're a prophet. He goes, no, I am, I am the Messiah. When she runs into town and it says that she's told, this man has told me everything I've ever done and we, we look at that and we go, oh, we read the commentaries that he's told me all my sins everything I've done wrong and I'll be honest woman comes into town and says I found the Messiah come out he's, he's told me all my sins I, I, personally I'm not that interested I don't need somebody telling me everything I've done wrong Let's, let's, let's rewind a little and let's look at this story the way John reveals it to us and see if he gives us some clues into the story. See, John tells us that Jesus is at, it's stopping at this well because it's at the heat of the day. It's, it's noon. And I think John right there is portraying to us the oppression that this woman has suffered. And he paints the picture not, not to tell us the time, but to tell us that, that even when she is gathering water now, it, it's maybe not at the time she wanted. Why is she at the well right now gathering water? Well, you read the commentaries and it's because she was ostracized. She didn't want to go in the beginning of the day, in the cool of the day when other women were there. Well, let's, she's at the well right now because she needs water. Is it not possible that she's had some guests come by that she has helped and they have depleted her water source and she simply needs to go get water? What is she going to tell them? Um, you know, I'm sorry. This is really not well-respected woman of the well hour right now. Uh, you know, about four, I'll go get you some water. No. Could she have not accidentally knocked over her water jug? She's at the well right now because she just needs water. She can't turn on a faucet, fill the jug. There's another clue. John says that it's Jacob's well. So if we think back to the story of Jacob, we know that Jacob married Rachel, whom he loved. Worked seven years to marry Rachel. And on the night of the marriage, what happens? Laban deceives him and sends Leah in. Leah who is, in essence, unseen. And the text reveals that God saw that Leah was not loved. He opened her womb and gave her a son. She names him Reuben. Why? Because God has seen my affliction. That's painting the story of this woman at the well. Jesus says, you've had five husbands. Now know in that time that the woman could not initiate a divorce, so she has either buried five husbands or had five men cast her aside for whatever reason. 
whether it's not having children, whether it's because someone else became available that allowed him to move up in social standing, for whatever reason, she has been cast aside or widowed five times. And the man she's living with is not her husband. He has not done what he should have done and marry her and give her the status of wife. If you want a parallel, read the story of Tamar. And when Jesus says, I know the man you're living with is not your husband, I believe that is more of a condemnation to him, not her. That she is living with the fear and the pain. She has had life knock her down. And yet she has continued to get up. So we see the phrase that when she goes into town, after Jesus reveals himself to her as the Messiah, the first time Jesus does that to a Samaritan woman, very plainly says, I'm the Messiah. She goes to town and says, He has told me all that I have done. And that is a positive statement, not a negative as many would have you believe. For you see, when we go back to the story of Boaz and Ruth, when Ruth is gleaning in the fields and and Boaz sees her and talks to her, he says this, he says, I have been made aware or they have told me all that you have done to your mother-in-law, Naomi. What had Ruth done? Well, Ruth had lost her husband, lost her brother-in-law, left her family, traveled back to Israel in order to support Naomi. Through her heartache, she is serving Naomi. And that is the character of the woman at the well. Where John ties us back into the story of Ruth to say, the story of Ruth, the character of Ruth is the story of this woman. Where she has suffered heartache, she has suffered loss. And Jesus says, I know what you've done. Either I know how you've nurtured husbands who were dying, or I know how you have tried to keep a marriage, but been cast aside. It's a positive statement of her character. And that is why the village responded, because they knew her story too. So when she says, I have met the Messiah, I have seen the Messiah, he has seen me. And he has offered me hope. For isn't that what living water is? It is hope that quenches the thirst of the soul. And that is the message that the people responded to. For you see, this is a story of need. It's all through the story. Jesus needs to go through Samaria. She needs water. He needs a drink. She needs living water. The disciples say, Jesus, you need food. She needs to tell the the village about Jesus. Notice she left her water pot when she went to tell. The village needs Jesus to stay. They urged him, begged him to stay a couple of days. It's a story of need. It's the story that all of us experience. Whether it's in 
the case of one of the paintings, the banners that Angeline has done, we all can relate to this woman. A couple of takeaways. First, you read, the, you read the stories of this woman, how she's been presented, and, and it's quite obvious that very, far too often we are too quick to judge and too slow to compassion. I think it'll be a long line of people who need to apologize to this woman. As we go into other cultures, as we go into our community, we find people in situations to where life has been hard. And we know we should not judge them based on their circumstances, but instead, as Jesus did, show compassion. There's no word of condemnation in his, in his conversation with her, nor should there be in ours as we see individuals and circumstances possibly beyond their control, our job is to show compassion. Second takeaway, kind of twofold. One, if we find ourselves in that situation to where we are hurting, we know that God sees me. He understands my story. He understands my hurt. Does He take it away? No. Does this woman get married? We don't know what the the man does with her. It could be just like Hagar to where you have to continue in the affliction, continue in the hurt, but what is different? Now there's hope. If we look at the story of, of this woman, of Leah, of Rachel, of Ruth, of Hagar, we see hope. And the second is, as we go into our community, when we see others and we encounter others who are experiencing the pain, that is the message that we bring. Whether it is in Africa, Guatemala, Mexico, South Dakota, or here in our community, to those we encounter, our message is, we have seen the Messiah. He sees me. And He offers me hope a drink from the living water to quench those pains in our soul. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.